Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So we're going to get into the shooting that happened in Castleton, and it actually relates to the shooting I was just describing that happened in Houston. It, very different scenarios, very different scenarios. In particular, very different in terms of the fault of the person who got shot, where in Houston it was an armed robber, albeit one who was trying to deceive his victims into believing he had a real gun when he had a uh, toy gun. Uh, the Castleton scenario looks to be much, much different with the people getting shot out there being really very innocent, but making an innocent mistake. But in the meantime, let's get to the phone lines. And Esmeralda has called. Esmeralda, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hi, thank you. Um, I just want to start by saying how much I feel, you know, for the family of this of this young man who lost his life. And what was described from what we know is this horrific accident where somebody mistake a car uh, you know, and I just have, I see it from both perspectives. I mean, we've all gone up to a car and thought it was oh, ours and absolutely. somebody else's. But I mean, if I was sitting inside the car, would I not know if I'm about to get carjacked or, you know, and I, I heard another show host on WIBC, you know, talking about potentially charges of murder being justified. I, and I just, I was a little surprised because as tragic as it is, it, it sounds like a, a tragic you know, mishap where, you know, somebody made a mistake, but somebody felt threatened. I'm just curious what you think about that. And I know I've been in the, I've been just to preface this, I've been in a, a situation where somebody tried to home invade in my home and oh, wow. uh, um, I had to brandish and brandishing was enough to send the person running and, and thank God. Yes, um, absolutely. So, you know, I think more gun owners should talk that have been through that have, should talk about how they're alive today because of their weapon. But I just wanted your opinion because I am so undecided and on the fence on this one. It's just so difficult. It is, and and I'm going to go through exactly what the law is on this uh, point, Esmeralda. But by the way, to to set the scene for folks who may not uh, have heard of of what has happened out there, because it it originally was just reported as a shooting in the parking lot at Castleton. And, you know, we just had a situation where uh, where apparently teens were shooting at each other in at Greenwood Park Mall. And then after the mass shooting that occurred down there, obviously, that was a very sensitive point. And just days later, we hear there's a shooting in the parking lot at Castleton Square and that one 16-year-old had died and, an, and another uh, young man uh, was wounded, shot, I believe, four times. And and. A lot of us thought, okay, it's the same thing. It's teens that are causing trouble or gangs or whatever. And it turned out that's completely not the case based on the report of one of the teens' father. And Fox 59 reported, and I think um, I've given some credit. I think this was was a solid reporting. Uh, But the father of one of the victims, um, whose name uh, was Eddie Smith Jr., excuse me, Eddie Smith Sr. is the father. He came out and said his son is the one who was wounded. The 16-year-old, Fox 59 reported, uh, who died, it was Michael Mason Jr. What he reported is that the two teens simply walked up to the wrong car in the parking lot and tried to open the door, something I have done. I have absolutely done myself, just mistaking another car that's uh, similar or the same as mine. 
and the person in the car then started shooting. Again, this is coming from the father of one of the victims. We have to take a break here at the top of the hour, but I'm going to get into exactly what the law says in Indiana on this issue and talk about how that applies and then talk about how that's a little different to the Houston scenario. But right now, we got to take a break. We'll be back after the top of the hour. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And welcome back for hour number two of The Gun Guy Show here on 93 WIBC. So... Based on Esmeralda's call, and Esmeralda, we hope you call us back here on the Gun Guy Show because it's really an important question. We're, we're talking about the shooting at the Castleton Square Mall that just occurred this past week. And if you weren't here at the end of the first hour, what this is being reported as is, is a couple of, of teenagers. And, and the young man who lost his life is 16-year-old Michael Mason Jr. as uh reported by Fox 59. Fox 59 talked to the father of Michael Mason Jr.'s friend uh, who uh, was wounded in the same shooting. And this is a gentleman who's a pastor uh, here on, on Indy's East Side, and that's Eddie Smith Sr., and he's talking about how his son got shot along with a young man who died. And the way he reported it, and I'm sure this is after talking to his son, is that the two teenagers simply walked up to the wrong car. And it was a white Chevy Impala. If there's a common vehicle out there, it's going to be something like a silver Honda Accord or a white Chevy Impala. I mean, that's just a very common car. They walked up to the wrong car in the parking lot. And... One of the young men reached down and tried the door handle, at which point, according to Mr. Smith anyway, the person in the car started shooting. And young Michael Mason lost his life, and Eddie Smith Sr.'s son, I don't know whether that was Eddie Smith Jr. or not, or a different son, but uh, uh, was wounded and uh, shot four times into the legs, apparently. So question becomes, and, and this is, Esmeralda's question, what, what does Indiana law say about this? How likely is it that the person who was sitting in the car who started shooting will get charged with a crime? And if so, what crime? Well, first of all, let's talk about what what the law says. We, we have a couple different provisions of Indiana's self-defense statute that unquestionably his defense uh, is, is going to argue uh, apply. And first of all, there's what we call the general self-defense statute. When I say general self-defense statute, it's really all different subsections of the same statute. If you want to look it up, it's Indiana Code 35-41-3-2. And you pull it up, it's got very different, various different subsections. But in subsection C, it talks about the rules that apply to you no matter where you are. Whether you're in your home, you're out in public, these rules apply. And one is, is that you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, if you reasonably believe that that force is necessary. So a couple of key terms here, reasonably believe and necessary. 
to prevent serious bodily injury to you or a third person or the commission of a forcible felony. Either or, to prevent serious bodily injury to you or a third person or to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. If a person said, when I'm sitting in the parking lot by myself uh, or with someone else, whatever, I'm sitting in my car in a parking lot with the doors locked, and someone walks up and tries the door handle on my car, I believe that person is carjacking me. Now, carjacking typically requires a threat of force. If I'm just stealing a car, and I'm not suggesting for a moment these kids were trying to steal a car, that's not my point. I'm looking at it from the perspective of the person sitting in the car. If someone's just stealing my car, and they're not using force to do it, that's not a forcible felony. A felony is committed is a, a, fel, a forcible felony is a felony committed through the use or threat of force, or in which there's a substantial likelihood of injury to a human being. So a carjacking. Somebody walks up to my window, shows a gun, shows a knife, shows a tire iron, says, "Get out of the car." That's carjacking. Is that a forcible felony? Yes. Can I use deadly force to prevent that? Yes. But that's not what happened here. You just have a kid walk up and try the door. And I got to tell you, this is scary to me from both perspectives. It's scary to me to think about myself being the one sitting in the car. Somebody walks up and tries my door handle. I've got not real dark, but fairly dark tinted windows. I could see somebody doing that without knowing I'm in the vehicle. Now, if somebody just tried my door, I saw no weapon. Would I shoot him? Absolutely not. Why? Because I didn't need to. The word necessary is in there, in the statute. I have to reasonably believe that deadly force, before I can use deadly force, I have to reasonably believe that deadly force is necessary to prevent serious bodily injury to me or another person or the commission of a forcible felony. Is someone just walking up and trying your door handle, does that constitute a basis for that reasonable belief. It's not just a, it's not not enough to believe it. It's got to be a reasonable belief under the circumstances. How does a jury decide that if it goes to a jury? And, and a prosecutor before they elect to file charges is always thinking about what would a jury do with this case? A jury is told you have to look at the situation through the eyes of the person who used the force, the defendant. You have to look at the situation through their eyes knowing everything they knew, seeing everything they could see, and not imbuing them with knowledge or information that they don't have. It's got to be what's reasonable from their perspective under the circumstances. There's a jury instruction exactly on that point. So if I'm sitting in my car, somebody I don't know, a teenager at Castleton Square, walks up and tries my door handle. Would I have a reasonable belief that deadly force in that situation is necessary to prevent serious bodily injury to me or the commission of a forcible felony? I leave that as an open question. You can answer that however you want to answer it. When I'm teaching my shooting classes, my self-defense classes, I always tell people, I go, I'm going to tell you exactly what the legal tests are for using force, including deadly force. And anytime you're firing shots at somebody, that's deadly force. Whether you hit them or not, where you hit them, doesn't matter. That's deadly force. 
People say, oh, I can never use deadly force, so I shoot somebody in the leg. That's deadly force. And in my class, I go through a, a detailed explanation of why that's deadly force and what the definition of deadly force is. I'm not going to take time to do that right now, but I'm telling you right now, that's deadly force. Shooting at somebody is deadly force. But what I always say is that I have a test for myself, the legal test we're going to put out in a lot of detail. Secondly, my personal test is I'm going to always ask myself very quickly, because a lot of times you don't have a lot of time to make this decision. This is a split-second decision. I'm going to ask myself, do I have to do this? Do I absolutely have to do this to save my life or another innocent life? It's not exactly the legal test, but that's what I'm going to always apply. And it's not a bad idea to apply that test. Do I have to do this? Because the word necessary is in the statute. It has to be necessary to prevent serious bodily injury or the commission of a forcible felony. But by the way, I'm only talking so far about one provision of the code that may apply. If I saw a kid trying my door handle, I saw no weapon. In my mind, one subjective opinion, would I have that reasonable belief that deadly force is necessary? I sure as hell don't think so. But that's not the only provision of the Indiana Code that may apply. And I'll guarantee you another provision is going to come into play in the event that charges are filed against this person. I'll guarantee you the prosecutor's office right now is considering another provision of the code and determining whether it's arguable that this is justified or whether it's likely this person would be charged and convicted. We'll get into that and then transition to this Houston shooting, which actually involves some of the same legal concepts, even though it's a very, very different set of facts. And as always, we want to get to your calls and questions. So give us a call, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. So we're talking about the Castleton Square shooting. And look, we're commenting on this based on facts as they've been reported. And I'm relying primarily on Fox 59 reporting, which says the two teenagers simply walked up to the wrong car in the parking lot, and the person in the car started shooting. If there's more to that, if different facts come out, I will stand corrected, but I'm basing this discussion on the stories that have come out primarily, again, from Fox 59. As I mentioned before the break, I was going through the provisions of what we call the General Self-Defense Statute, which is the subsection of Indiana Code Section 35-41-3-2 that deals with being able to defend yourself basically wherever you are, whether it's in public or in home or wherever. It would also apply in your car. But there's another subsection, what a lot of people call the Castle Doctrine. And you may be listening right now thinking, what the hell is this guy talking about the Castle Doctrine for when we're talking about somebody being in their car? Well, if you've taken my essentials class, you know the answer to that question. is because Indiana extends the Castle Doctrine. And by Castle Doctrine, let me talk about what we're talking about. Let me explain what we're talking about. And that is that Indiana law, in addition to the provision I just discussed, also says, separately, 
you're also justified in using reasonable force, including deadly force, to prevent or terminate. Well, I'll back up. You're justified using force, including legal force, including deadly force, if you reasonably believe that that force is necessary to prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack on your dwelling. That's your home. So let's phrase that without me screwing it up. You can use reasonable force, including deadly force, if you reasonably believe that that force, meaning deadly force, is necessary to prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack on your dwelling. If there was a period there in the statute, we wouldn't be talking about it right now in the context of Castleton Square, but there's not. It says dwelling, comma, curtilage, which we won't go into it at all because it has no application, but then goes on to say, or your occupied motor vehicle. Yes, Indiana actually includes your occupied motor vehicle within the definition in the Castle Doctrine of when you're justified in using deadly force. So the question not only is, was this person justified in using deadly force to prevent serious bodily injury or the commission of a forcible felony, and I think that is tenuous at best. It is implausible at best based on the facts we know now or the facts as they've been reported. But what about a reasonable belief he was preventing an unlawful entry into his occupied motor vehicle? Dramatically different. When, it, when is entry into your motor vehicle unlawful? When it's without your consent. So you're sitting in your car. Someone walks up to your car, tries the door handle. Do you in that moment have a reasonable belief the deadly force is necessary. Again, the word necessary is very important. To prevent an unlawful entry into your home. That's a hell of a lot more tenable. That's a hell of a lot more plausible. That's a hell of a lot, of a lot more winnable in court, I will tell you right now, than the idea that, well, I was preventing a forcible felony or preventing serious bodily injury. Why? Because they saw no weapon, presumably. Again, if it's just an innocent mistake walking up to the wrong car, so scary. It's scary to me as a parent. It's scary to me as someone who carries a gun. But that's where that reasonable belief comes in. You can be wrong if your belief is reasonable. The example I use in my gun law class, and I guarantee you there are hundreds or thousands of people out there right now that have taken that class, if you're listening right now, you know exactly what I'm going to talk about. The example I always give in my class is that I'm walking past an alley in downtown Indy. It's a dark alley. There's some lighting at the end of the alley, so anything in the alley is just backlit. And I hear someone say, I'm going to kill you. And I look up and I see three figures running toward me. Again, they're just silhouettes because there's just some backlighting. I see three people running toward me, and they all have... Something in their hands that looks to me like a gun. All three of them running toward me with what looked to me to be guns in their hands. I just heard I'm going to kill you. They're all running toward me. I'm there with my wife. I pull my gun. I start shooting. Bang, bang, bang. I kill two. I wound one. The police show up. It turns out there are three kids playing with squirt guns in the alley. 
One of them squirted the other one in the face, so he said, I'm going to kill you, and was chasing him up the alley. They happened to be running in my direction. They were no threat to me whatsoever. None. Zero. Am I going to prison? After I've covered this issue of reasonable belief, that's the example I use, and I throw that out to the class. Am I going to prison? About half of them, half of them in the class nod yes. About half of them, half of them nod no. Well, what's the question? Let's say I get arrested. Let's say I get prosecuted. It goes to a jury. What the jury has to decide is not whether I was right. It's not whether they were absolutely, factually, accurately a threat to me and my wife. But whether I had that reasonable belief, I heard someone say, I'm going to kill you. I see three, three people running at me with guns in their hands. I can't see colors because of the lighting. All I can see is guns. I shoot them because I believe they were running toward me to kill me and my wife. The question isn't whether I was right. The question is whether I had that reasonable belief. I can see a jury going either way. That's where litigating that case as the lawyers and the defense lawyer or the prosecutor would be fascinating because they'd be doing all kinds of recreations with lighting and whatnot, and they'd be saying, look, any idiot would know this was a bright orange squirt gun in one kid's hand and a bright green squirt gun in another kid's hand. No one would think these were real guns. There was no way that's a reasonable belief. And defense lawyer would be saying, hey, they're backlit. They're silhouettes. You can't tell colors. There's no way to tell that from a real gun. That was absolutely a reasonable belief. I could see a jury going either way. I think in large part, depending on the credibility, credibility of the witnesses and the skills of the lawyers. But take that analysis back to Castleton Square. The fact that these kids made an innocent mistake is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for everyone. I'm sure it's heartbreaking for the person who did the shooting. I would certainly believe it is. I think any normal human being would be absolutely heartbroken. That they've taken a life that was completely unnecessary and wounded another innocent teenager based on the reporting we're getting right now. But it's absolutely heartbreaking for the families that have lost a 16-year-old man Young man, just getting started in life, and another young teenager who has four bullet holes in him. And hopefully he's recovering quickly and, and, and as painlessly as possible. But it's a tr complete tragedy. But who goes to jail? Does anybody go to jail? Does a shooter go to jail? That's what becomes an interesting discussion. Do I have a reasonable belief that I'm preventing an unlawful entry into my car when someone walks up and tries the door handle and it's not their car, it's my car and I'm sitting in it because it, because the castle doctrine says specifically to prevent or terminate an unlawful entry into or attack of your occupied motor vehicle. Clearly that's what you have here based on this reporting. All that being said, I'm always going to ask myself that question that I just mentioned earlier which is, do I have to do this? I see a 16-year-old kid simply trying the door on my car. And when I ask myself the question, do I have to shoot this kid right now? That answer is going to always be no. If I see a weapon, uh, it changes the analysis. I see a gun, it definitely changes the analysis. 
a kid trying my door handle, especially when I have tinted windows? Could he be trying to steal my car? Yeah. Could he be trying to make an unlawful entry into my car? Yes. Do I need to shoot him? It's a separate question. But the legal question is what's going to drive this situation now, both, I'm sure, from the perspective of the Marion County Prosecutor's Office, as well as potentially a jury if it goes that far. That'll be really interesting to see. Another question is what crime would the person be convicted of? Is it going to be murder? I don't think so. Why? Because they weren't sitting in their car planning to kill anybody. When something arises like this quickly and 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 you end up killing someone intentionally, he pulled the gun out, pointed it, and started pulling the trigger. By the way, he also reportedly got out of the car to shoot the, the second teenager. That becomes a separate question as well that raises a whole lot of other legal issues. He wasn't the one trying to get in the car, based on the reporting we have so far. Sorry for throwing that caveat out there so, so many times, but it, repeating it's necessary because these facts can all change as you get witness reports, video, potentially any number of, of more facts that come out. But there's a lot more to talk about in all of this. I'll tell you, we're a little past the bottom of the hour. We've had Brian and Matt call in with, I think, some great questions. Uh, we'll go to the phone lines when we come back and then shift the discussion a little bit. If, uh, assuming we don't have more questions and comments come in, uh, at 239-9393 and talk a little bit about this robbery with a toy gun that happened in Houston resulting in one dead robber when we come back. Different facts, similar legal issues, and we'll apply Indiana law to that for purposes of the discussion. Right now we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And welcome back. We're talking about self-defense, how that may or may not apply to a shooting we just had this week. In Castleton, and, and just an incredibly tragic one, especially if the facts bear out, as they're being reported, that this was just a couple of kids, innocent kids, who walked up to the wrong car in a parking lot. And one of them shot and killed, the other one wounded. Heartbreaking. But in the meantime, uh, Matt has called in, and I think I know this, Matt. Matt, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. How's it going? Good, man. You doing all right? Oh, live the dream. Actually, at the hospital. You got to look at the knee. Oh, there lovely you go. Winter day. Yeah, lovely winter. Yeah. <laughs> Bipolar, like my ex-girlfriend. Um, so <laughs> um, so we're talking about the uh, use of force and stuff like that. Um, we're talking about the Castleton uh, shooting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've i seen, like, people go to the wrong car a lot. Like, you, you, you see it more than often. Like, But using force just because someone opened it, hit the door and using force, I don't find it. In my opinion, I don't see it justifiable because the way I've been told or trained from my security experiences, don't don't if you you you're supposed to use force with force. If there's no force, you can't use force. Or or or, or that or that situation. So 
I'm, I would be surprised if they charged him with a, a, some type of, uh, uh, of a, of a, um, of some type of murder or, 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 or something like that. Um, and then we're talking about the Houston, um, the Houston one where it's, uh, you briefly said something about the, um, oh, uh, the, the, the BB gun or whatnot. Oh yeah, the yeah something that's not an actual firearm. Um, yeah, but but if if someone shows you a gun, like that's that, that your point. That's that's if you have force and they have force, you have every right to defend yourself. But the aspect is okay. That looked like a real gun, so I'm going to protect myself. And protecting myself and others around me. Yeah, and 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 Matt, I'm going to talk about the Houston situation that involved an actual toy gun. Um, but what's important to note here, and by the way, I don't I don't disagree with you in the sense that, um, in the sense that I wouldn't use deadly force in this situation at all. But I will tell you that um, the 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 defense lawyer, if the charges are brought, is unquestionably going to try to apply the castle doctrine which says that i don't have to fear bodily injury i don't or i don't have to fear uh, a forcible felony even i can simply defend my occupied motor vehicle against an unlawful entry that's the exact wording of the statute if i reasonably believe that i'm preventing an unlawful entry into my occupied motor vehicle that's covered under the castle doctrine now again would i use deadly force in that situation never in a million years uh, would I roll a window down and say, hey, get the hell out of my car? Probably. Would I even flash a gun? Absolutely not. I haven't seen a weapon from the other person. There's no reason to do that. Uh, there are a whole lot of ways without using deadly force uh, to deal with this situation, even if you assume it's an unlawful entry that someone's attempting into your car. It's just not necessary to shoot somebody. But but that's different than the legal test, and the Castle Doctrine does apply and that's why that becomes an interesting legal discussion, realizing, of course, the number one thing we ought to be talking about here is that uh, a, a, a young man lost his life, and that's tragic in every single way it could possibly be. Let's go back to the phone lines. Brian's been on hold for a while. Brian, welcome to the Gun Guy Show. Hello. How you doing tonight? Good, man. What you got? Okay, so as a part-time gig, I, I do the little Uber driving on the side. About three weeks ago, I was driving, and there was a car driving erratic, and it was a young girl. Pat drove in front of me, and we get to a stoplight. The guy in front of her, I guess they've been telling each other and stuff. So the guy gets out with a gun and starts smashing on her windshield and brandishing the gun and pointing at her. Do I have the right, as carrying? that I could have ended it because I thought that he was going to shoot her and kill her. Do I have the right to end that situation? Well, yeah. I mean, Brian, let me tell you what the law says, and then, you know, you can you can answer your own question, uh, or we can talk about it some more. But um, what the law says is that you can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to protect you or a third person from serious bodily injury goes on to say, or to prevent the commission of a forcible felony. That's a felony committed through the use of, uh, or threat of force. It doesn't say the commission of a forcible felony only against you. I can prevent the commission of a forcible felony against a third person. So if you 
got out of your car and shot this person. Would you have a reasonable belief? Would you have the ability to demonstrate that you had a reasonable belief that you were either preventing her from incurring serious bodily injury or you were preventing the person from from committing a forcible felony against her? If the answer to that is yes, that's justifiable. Now, whenever I teach this point in my law class, and people are getting about 30 minutes of a four-and-a-half-hour discussion, so it's, it's, it's abbreviated. But whenever I teach this point in my law class, I always want to emphasize this point, because I've seen this unfold too many times. And that is that if you're not involved in a situation, before you involve yourself in that situation, particularly with a gun and particularly with deadly force, be very, very, very sure that what you think you're seeing is what you're really seeing. For instance, when you walk into a convenience store and there's a guy with a gun out standing at the counter, this this actually happened in a situation that I got involved in as an attorney. person walks in, there's a person with a gun out standing at the counter in a convenience store. Okay. The person who sees this situation pulls their own gun and starts shooting. It turns out, well, by the way, back up, thinking, obviously, that this is an armed robbery of the convenience store. Do you know what it actually was? It was a guy walked in open carrying. This is the person with the gun out. He walked in open carrying. The clerk, knowing something about guns, said, hey, is that the new Springfield XD 45? I've been thinking about buying one of those. The guy says, yeah, it sure is. Pulls the gun out of his holster and is showing it to the clerk, albeit gripping it in a more or less shooting grip. He's showing it to the clerk because the clerk asked about it. And by the way, I always say, no show and tell with loaded guns. Never a good idea, ever, ever, ever. You know, save that stuff for when it's unloaded and cleared in a safe environment. Save it for being on the firing line at the shooting range, waving guns around, loaded guns, playing show and tell. Never a good idea. But that's what's going on. And whether it's a bad idea or not, are you committing a crime or do you deserve to get shot by, because you're playing show and tell? No. I mean, it didn't involve deadly force, but a good example is there was a situation I read about years ago where there's a, a guy right on in Daly Plaza, downtown Chicago. And there's a guy, a well dressed guy in a three piece suit, and he's running across the grounds there at Daly Plaza. And it's a big open plaza right out there, the, out the municipal, outside the municipal government building. And a guy in a three piece suit and a briefcase is running, going, Help me, help me, help me. And there's this disheveled, homeless-looking dude chasing him across homeless or across Daly Plaza. He's going, help me, help me. He's trying to kill me. One guy trips the homeless-looking guy. Another couple of people jump on him and start punching him. It's good Samaritans. Turns out the guy in the three-piece suit got caught doing a cocaine transaction, had a briefcase full of cocaine, and the guy chasing him was an undercover cop. So what does that, again, establish for us? What does that demonstrate? What I just said, if you're not involved in a situation, be very, very, very sure that what you think you're seeing is what you're seeing. 
However, having said that, the law of self-defense in Indiana absolutely allows you to defend yourself or a third person from serious bodily injury or from being the victim of a forcible felony, a a felony committed through the use or threat of force, or in which there's a substantial likelihood of injury to a human being. That's the definition of forcible felony. So, Brian, I'm not going to bring you back online because we need to take a break, and producer Carl is is giving me his shut-the-hell-up signal. But I think you can answer that question now based on that discussion. We come back. Annie has called in. She's from Houston. You know what? I'm going to have to touch on quickly this toy gun situation since I've teased it the whole damn show. But uh, we won't have much time to discuss that. But we'll talk about that and take Annie's call when we come back. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC.